0: Hey there, friends. Pastor Paul Carter here, the host of the End of the Word podcast, and I am joined today with some of my favorite pastors from across Canada for our fifth, our next episode of Pastoring in a Pandemic. Here with me today on the panel, I have Pastor Stephen Bray from St. John's, Newfoundland, Pastor Paul Martin from Toronto, Ontario, Pastor Mark Bertrand from Walsh, Ontario, and Pastor Rob Goddard from British Columbia. Brothers, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Good to be with you. Thank you. Well, I was going to begin this episode, to be honest with you, by uh, saying that it feels like now we're at the beginning of the end of this COVID-19 journey. Uh, however, I just received word earlier today that there'll be a press conference in uh, my health unit that that may uh, look to introduce some new protocols for churches, given the outbreak that we experienced here locally that was linked to a church that, you know, was allegedly quite careless with respect to Masking, spacing, and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, in addition, of, of course, out east, the CBC has been putting the spotlight on Nova Scotia uh, regarding Gospel Light Baptist Church and the, the tragic three deaths that are associated with the mini conference that was held there. So obviously, we, we may have to wait and see uh, whether there's some new protocols coming down the line. Uh, but apart from these isolated incidents, it, it does appear that the waters are receding, and that this crisis is starting to slowly fade. Uh, The general consensus, for whatever that's worth, is that we should be emerging back into some new normal in the spring of this year. So we've reached a new phase uh, when it comes to pastoring in the pandemic, and therefore it seemed like a good time for another kick at this can. Uh, Today, I wanna talk about reflection, recovery, and rebuilding. And I want to start by looking back. Uh, It's hard to think deep thoughts when you're in the middle of a car accident. But now that this pandemic has shifted more into traffic jam mode, uh, this does seem like a really good time uh, to try and figure out what in the world just happened and, and how the church has changed over the last 20 months. Regardless of what you think about the virus itself, there can be no doubt that the way society responded to the virus and the experiences that we've had as a people processing and managing this virus, that those things have changed the world and and changed the church forever. I suspect that we'll be talking about pre-COVID and post-COVID now uh, for the rest of our lives. So I want to acknowledge that reality, and I want to begin to think about how this experience has affected us as people and and as a church. And then in the next phase, we'll pivot to the conversation around recovery for us as pastors and again for our congregations. And then in the last phase of the conversation, we'll move into a focus on rebuilding. All right, so reflection, recovery, rebuilding. Those are the three categories we're going to move through today. So let's start with reflection. Brother Paul Martin, uh, we'll start with you. What in the world is going on? What has happened to the world? What has happened to the church over the last 20 months? You're the tallest guy in the room, so we'll turn to you for the 10,000-foot perspective.
1: I'm not sure how much you should rely on height for expertise. <laughs> wow, it's as good as anything I can think of right now. Well, I would remind <laughs> you of a certain man from his shoulders upward. He was taller than any of the people, and it didn't go so well for Saul. So <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I, I will give my uh, attempt at these matters. Sure. Um, uh, as far as how the church has changed, I think uh, locally for us, uh, we use the word sifting. Uh, in my city, there's been a ton of transition of Christians moving from existing evangelical churches, but uh, my sort of anecdotal observation is this seems to be more often than not over uh, preferences, especially in regards to politics, more than doctrine. Now, sometimes it would be people's understanding of a particular doctrine, um, but yeah, that's, that's just been very interesting to observe. Um, obviously, politics has come into the church landscape in a new way. I, I was born in this city 55 years ago. A, it, a minister of the gospel wouldn't have dreamt of putting a political lawn sign on its front yard, let alone making political statements yeah. in churches. Uh, I admit to also being deeply influenced by Martin Lloyd-Jones. I see him quoted sort of by both sides. It's kind of interesting. Uh, but I think if you've read widely in Lloyd-Jones, you understand that he was living through a time of great political upheaval and was um, quite concerned about Christians who would lean into the politics as a solution to um, w- what was going on in the day. So well, just to, I'm,
0: just to, to jump in on that Lloyd Jones thing and we'll, we'll send it right back to you, but I was reading Lloyd Jones's commentary on uh, blessed are the peacemakers uh, or sorry, blessed are those who are persecuted was the chapter I found this in because uh, I'm working my way through the Beatitudes and he, uh, He, I mean, he has a a great quote there on, make sure you're not persecuted because of your politics. But then actually the quote that I I didn't include in my sermon, because I thought, oh man, this just blow the doors off and uh, I'll get more email on this than I can handle. But he has like a full paragraph where he goes off and and, and says, you know, some of you oppose communism and have all these strong thoughts about communism. And he says, are you sure those those are theological thoughts or are are those political thoughts? And he says, because there's nothing inherently theologically wrong with communism. The the problem is the sinful people uh, managing the system. And I thought, oh boy, can, but, but so he was saying, keep your, keep your politics out of the church and keep it out of the pulpit. And it was, it was one of the strongest statements I've seen on that in any writing
1: anywhere. You know, just based on how things have gone, Paul, I'm really surprised you didn't just, you know, put into 45 characters. Lloyd Jones says communism is okay. Yeah. That would have been been really really well for you.
0: Yeah. Without the context, that would have been good. (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah he definitely uh, I I think this is where reading church history if you're a pastor uh, it's so invaluable so uh, one of my concerns as well is just seeing a lot of young guys get caught up on whoever's loudest and that's always a temptation I've lived long enough I've seen you know this wave and this wave and this wave and one of the most centering helpful things I think for any pastor is to know your church history Uh, to that end I think paying attention to what Michael Hagen's been doing on Facebook yeah Yeah. uh, Michael's been just been (laughs) putting some gems out there and kind of making observations, locating us in that historical stream. Um, and getting, I, I guess, some, and know, getting, getting a variety of feedback. Getting lots of love. <laughs> uh, well,
0: some, some appreciation, but, but some, some pushback.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess then obviously the divisions and broader evangelicalism, it surprised me in 18 months, the last 18 months, friends that I've lost um, yeah. that uh, I, I would not have suspected people that I've invested relationally in for years and years who, because of disagreements on things have uh, gone a different direction. Um, And I think what's the one thing I've observed in in a lot of places, and it's been a challenge for us too, is um, just to continue to put our trust in the ordinary means of grace. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, our church sought through the worst of the pandemic. We 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 sought to gather in any form we could. We sought to preach God's word. We sought to keep praying together and fellowshipping in any form we could. That took a lot of different forms, um, but I think the Lord blessed our church through that. It was a trial, and there's still parts of now that we're yearning, and longing, and waiting. And in our prayer meeting, we're we're praying those prayers. How long, O oh Lord, until we can do this again, Lord? Bring it about, and I think in some way a lot of churches maybe kind of missed an opportunity to learn about spiritual waiting. So yeah. those are just some ten thousand foot observations.
0: Well, I want to come back to a couple of things
1: uh, you said, and, and just bouncing around the around the horn here.
0: Uh, one of the things you mentioned was a sifting. I was on a, a call with a bunch of pastors, and Ed Stetzer was kind of you know bringing some leadership, and and he talked about this great sort, and uh, he mentioned that. What they're seeing in the States now is that uh, whereas previously people would go to a church and they'd expect that church to agree with them on theological issues, they would expect um, that they'd have the same doctrine of scripture, that they'd have the same understanding of the cross. He says now increasingly what we're seeing is people are going to a church and they want to make sure that they believe the same thing about politics, that they believe the same thing about Donald Trump, about covid about masks about vaccines and he says it's dividing the church into smaller and smaller bits so your your old church of 300 uh becomes four churches of 50 and with 100 people lost in the, in the shuffle um and he says that's that's what they're seeing and, and i don't know if it's as bad up here in canada i suspect it's not but but like you said i've seen it too um i've, I've seen people changing churches for reasons we would never
1: have done 10 years ago. Um, Are you guys guys seeing that as well? I I just add, and also making a lot of public alliances with people that are frankly not preaching a gospel or preaching a very different one. Yeah, I would agree.
2: Uh, We've seen people come or go, whether we require masks or not, that that's become their central doctrine in terms of leaving or staying not a lot, but enough that it's disturbing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Mark, were you were you saying the same? I see your head nodding, but that doesn't translate well.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, yeah, we're we're out in the country. We're in a rural area, right. uh, and I think the further away from the cities you get, the 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 percentages of uh, of compliance go down. And it, it's just mm-hmm. been a real uh, central push with us. Um, Tim Keller said, I don't know if it was original with him, but he. He, he said the church is made up of natural enemies. Um, and, and the context was pre COVID, but just, you know, in, in any given church, you could have any number of different uh, political positions, you know, and should, you know, I mean, Jesus calls Simon the zealot and Levi the tax collector. And we've pressed hard on that with the church and, and said, you know, I, I've said to them many times, I, I hope that, you know, your best buddy here at church, you know, holds the, total opposite position to you on all these issues and when people say it's really weird that you guys hang out how do you do that you say jesus i mean that's gotta be that's and that's been that's been the issue but yeah we've we've shed some people we're close enough to elmer that i've lost people to elmer <laughs> you know which that's 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 disturbing and I, I i'm happy to go publicly on record and 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 say um you should not be going there yeah that is was uh you know i mean if if I wouldn't have to want to answer the questions that man will have to answer when he explains how he's got this congregation assembled, and the gospel never goes for it. Yeah,
0: yeah, I hear you. And and it, you know, it, it's I've warned uh, a f- few colleagues. Just say, just be careful what you're attracting people with right now, because if if you're the church in the region picking up, you know, ten or twenty uh, of the angriest and most, you know. Uh, particular folks from everybody else's church uh, that, that's probably not going to be easy to manage, um, you know, three years from now, but yeah. Okay. Paul uh, another thing you mentioned that I just want to kind of come back to is you talk about technology yeah. and and you mentioned, um, you know, Dr. Haken's doing a great job using that. I am curious. I, I, and I, and I really am meaning I'm not trying to drive this anywhere. Um, this, this, these sorts of conversations are really helpful for me as well. And I hope they're helpful for other pastors listening in. I'm curious as to what you think, Uh, whether Facebook has been helpful um, enough to mitigate all the obvious problems. Um, I I've had a couple of people ask me in the last couple of days, is it worth us still being on Facebook? Should, should we get off entirely? I think the answer is, is yes. I think it's possible, but I think we've all got to tweak our strategies a little bit, but anyway, looking forward to your thoughts on that. Any, any of you that have thoughts?
1: Paul, tell us. I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm eager to hear what other people think. Yeah, all right.
0: So, Paul got it started. Jump it around to somebody else. Nobody thinks it's it's worth keeping. Mark, I think I, it's Mark, easy. you you're to blame for me being on Facebook. Truth be told, <laughs> uh, I used to make fun of Mark for being on Facebook. I said, what are you doing with these stupid cat videos? And and uh, and uh, and he kind of rebuked me. And he said I should be on it too. So. I'm quite upset, Mark, uh, with you and <laughs> t- talk me into why it's still worth being on there.
3: Well, I, I, I remember being rebuked uh, for the cat video and commenting that if uh, if uh, uh, Jonathan Edwards could write papers on spiders, I could post a cat video once in a while. <laughs> um, and I, I do think it, it, there there is a redemptive way to use social media. And I almost never comment on uh, the pandemic. You know, I, I actually think I have a fairly broad following that follow a number of my oddities, whether it's riding a bicycle around or, you know, cutting down a tree with a buck saw. Um, but then I also put uh, a lot of gospel content on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get a lot of comments from from a wide uh, diversity of people who, who say, uh, you're the only Facebook page I can follow because you know, you're the only guy that doesn't make me mad. But the gospel, <laughs> you know, the gospel is, is 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 very much a part of that. I have a yeah. lot of people that listen to sermons um, and and write to me who never attend church, yeah. and they come across a sermon and and uh, you know, on our church Facebook page, which is private, uh, we we've been very uh, uh, specific that that we don't we don't post pandemic related stuff not from one side and not from the other. If it's a prayer request for a pastor who's been put in jail for one thing or another, that's permittable as long as it's a prayer request. Right. But I think very careful use of social media, but I I would encourage you if, I mean, not, I I hope I didn't encourage you to go become like a, an addict to social media, but I mean, if you naturally use social media, I, I would encourage you to be a redemptive presence there and to, 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 go ahead and post. I mean, if you've got some interest, I think people are interested to know that pastors, I, I'm always a little concerned when the only thing a pastor ever uh, posts is pictures of praying hands and, and Bible verses. Um, because I, I just think you probably don't have very much following beyond, you know, the little old ladies in your church. But if yeah, you and, and
0: you, like- I bounce it to you, Mark, because actually I think you're one of the guys who does it well. Um, and uh, you use your, you know, your interests, the, the biking and the food stuff. I, I find your food post to be absolutely fascinating. And uh, so you use that to develop a bit of a following and then you sneak in your Bible verses and your gospel content. And I, I think that's good. I think it's a good example of how to do it. And I also, I, one of the things, like, I, I tend to agree. I think it's, we have to use it. We have to be there. It's the public square, but I think we have to be smarter. Um, you know, one of the things, when we created that private pastors forum, Um, I feel, I feel like private forums. You mentioned that your, your church's Facebook page is private. Um, the private pastors forum, I think was brilliant because a lot of the stuff that you'd share that would get people agitated is, is content that pastors need to be wrestling with and thinking through, but you don't want, you know, everybody's second cousin, uh, who's got an ax to grind, uh, sharing 14 comments that you've got to curate now, uh, on that content. And so taking that and putting in a private forum, I think is, is was very, very helpful. Um, so I, I I think these are some great, you know, techniques. I don't know if we want to say great tricks or great techniques, but have a variety of interests, get the gospel in there, keep sensitive topics on private forums. I think that's brilliant. Anybody want to add something to that? Because I really do think we've got to do better yeah. with social media.
1: Yeah, I think th- those are all good thoughts. I Stuff I've been thinking a little bit more about is your private forums are not actually totally private. Uh, and, you know, there's a we all have i'm just more and more thinking that these tighter personal circles where we're doing things in person we're speaking to one another's faces are of much greater long-term value so Mm. i meet with a group of pastors in the city every month you know i begin the meeting by saying your attendance here is your promise of confidentiality if anybody ever broke that confidentiality we'd boot them out of the group and they wouldn't come back well i mean maybe we let them repent if you know what i mean but uh i think we can have really frank conversations with other human beings without uh being worried that we're being recorded um you know that it's I, I know people that have been in meetings where they're speaking assuming that this is a private meeting and they're being recorded and those recordings are being either edited or portions are being replayed to other people this yeah. is a whole other bit of the world that yeah. we need to think really carefully about no kidding because uh, anything i say taken out of context can be you know you can do that to anybody So uh, I'm more and more prone to ditch Facebook. I'm I'm not a fan of how much they know about us. Um, Mm -hmm. Twitter seems to me to be a place because it's so limited and I have my own little echo chamber now, people I like that talk about things I like uh, that I listen to them. So it doesn't keep me up at night, but I have also experienced that in trying to engage in meaningful conversation with people of an opposing view. uh, I, I don't know that I, Maybe there's one case I can recount of someone engaging in honest, you know, dialogue about those right. things. Yeah. Everybody else is just pushing out what they want others to see. Uh, that's harder to do when you're in a room with other human beings, right? So, I, I think maybe we want we want to think about some of those things too.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on from that. Uh, we've been talking about changes. We've been talking about an environment that's that's difficult. You know, uh, I, I think. The the world has has become a, a more pressurized context. Uh, another thing that uh, Ed Stetzer mentioned in the meeting I sat in with him, uh, a lot of these trends we, were trends we were watching before the pandemic. But the pressure of the pandemic has exacerbated what what we were already concerned about. And and one of one of that is is just the the gap, um, you know, some of the the hostilities that exist in, in the in the church. I think it was. Ross Duthat, who, who had an article waking up in, was it waking up in 2040, where he just talked about a lot of the social trends as well in the culture have accelerated under, under the pressure of the pandemic. Steve, uh, you're kind of uh, dealing with an accelerated social trend. One of the things we were already kind of keeping our eye on before COVID, but you're you're dealing with uh, the pointy end of the cultural sphere out there in Newfoundland. Do you want to walk us through that?
4: Well, yeah. Yeah. Um... I mean, because yeah, you know, as I was listening to you guys, I, this has been a real eye-opener for me because I'll be honest, I feel like I'm finally, maybe this is in history of Newfoundland where we always catch up to all the cultural trends later because through the first almost three quarters of this COVID thing, I, I was the guy going, well, this is not that hard. Uh, we've all adapted pretty well. Um, and it feels like the 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 wave toppled over and kind of landed squarely. On top of me, in in this last quarter with, you know, starting with our government declaring us non-essential, which is something that hasn't happened in the history of Newfoundland and Labrador since 1497, Um, that was a shock, I think, to the system, uh, a challenge. And then, you know, as a young church in a largely unevangelized city with our vision and mission of trying to plant churches it did put us in the crosshairs of the cultural uh, things in regards to sexual identity and certain bills. And this is where I was saying, listening to the discussion about social media, I'm one of those guys that I've seen the sweet spot of social media in the sense of you know we 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 tried to really harness it, doing daily devotions, um, you know, really trying. You know, like Paul, I uh, sorry, not Paul, but Mark. Um, I am very passionate about food. I, I like to celebrate my travels and I try and I've made it a rule that I just don't engage about anything non-controversial in the sense of it's there for me to share scripture, great quotes, talk about a book I'm reading, passage of scripture that's really rocking my world. Um, and I am vigilant in eliminating and deleting anybody that tries to engage me. So if you don't, if you're, if it's not so much as simple as a thumbs up or, Hey, I like that. If you want to get into it, I immediately delete it and I will private message the person and say, if you want to discuss this, let's set up a time to talk and we'll discuss this, but I am not going to debate this with you on social media. This is my page to just celebrate what's of interest to me. And that's how I roll. However, I have also, because of the cultural uh, trends uh, where our sexual identity has risen to the forefront have seen that when you come into the crosshairs of a particular cultural tension, um, everything that I have done and everything our church has done on social media has been combed through mm-hmm. and weaponized in every way it can be um, to like six and seven degrees of separation. So it wasn't just attacking me personally or my church personally. It was attacking everything that I might have liked or been associated with. So it was interesting because TGC Canada came in the crosshairs of that. And a couple of random articles written about a bill who are so far removed from me. And then they read those articles and interpreted those articles based on intent, motive and so on and so forth. And then blew that into a mushroom cloud of that's what we're going now to do here in our city. And before you knew it, I mean, I, I now know what it feels like to have a virtual viral mob just turn on you. Hmm. Um, and it went from, you know, I went from the skip to my my darling social media. This is lots of fun to just like, where is a hole I can crawl into and die yeah. now? Here's my advice to everybody, though, what I've learned from this. My takeaway is this. One is humility. No matter how many likes, followers on Twitter, whatever, you are nowhere as near an influence as you think you are. So everybody just needs to cool their jets. And when the wave rolls against you, it is nowhere near as big a wave as you think it is. It's an echo chamber of people with idle hands. It takes a nanosecond to go like And yet that person has then moved on to the sports scores or this or that. Yet it feels like you're just inundated. And I think that we get big heads very quickly. And I think we are easily defeated and discouraged very quickly based on the ebb and flow of social media. Mm. So that's where I would say learning from this, uh, by God's providential grace, we experience some of this. But I've also learned this, a soft answer turns away wrath. And sometimes that means no answer, just sit still um, and let God do some of the things. Um, and yet I also know that I'm on a very fragile standing, no matter how good it goes over the next whatever weeks, months, or years. At any moment, we are going to be in the crosshairs of something. Yeah. And are you ready to be gracious and kind? A lot of the other things that guys are dealing with, with mask, no mask. I mean, we have had to navigate VaxPass uh, because it's it's been a requirement by our government if you want to go to church you have to have proof of vaccination their option b is is at best punitive and and at worst it's meant to be Steve clarify that for me uh,
0: are you saying that to attend church live in newfoundland you have to you have to be vaccinated so
4: they have given churches a choice oh the choice yeah okay that's the that's so you the can as- you can either have proof of vaccination yeah. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't want to have proof of vaccination, you must wear masks 100% of the time, including the preacher. They forbid congregational singing. They they say 50% capacity. But what they actually mean is less than that, because every individual person or family must be its own bubble. So there must be six feet. You can't put bubbles together. So effectively, unless you have an absolutely massive church, you're really only talking about 25% capacity. We wrestled through all of this. And here has been my favorite saying. This is where I'm most proud of our church. When we met, we met for eight hours as elders to bathe this in prayer, go through every aspect of scripture where we had to wrestle with what are the theological ramifications of all of these things. And I love where we ended, which was when we had a church meeting, we told our church, we are not unanimous, but we are united. And we are not going to let preferential or peripheral issues become gospel issues and divide us. And so there's been a wonderful spirit of graciousness amongst us. I don't want to toot my horn and say because we're all spiritual I think some of it is cultural because Newfoundlanders are very open and honest. They don't hide things. So, you know, your vaccination status is not a highly concealed thing here. People talk about this stuff very openly because it's part of the culture. So, because it works for us I'm not saying it's going to work everywhere else, but I am thankful. I will say that I think maybe one of the blessings of the Lord is that we didn't fight this thing in the early stages, and we were in the midst of fighting it was when all this cultural stuff hit us. Mm. And we had to very quickly figure out that we were fighting against, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darkness and high places, and make the main thing the main thing. Yeah, good. Let me... uh
0: let me wrap it up, wrap up this first part of the conversation just by asking uh, two pretty straightforward questions. You you know, you can jump in on one or two or, or whatever. Here are the questions. How is the church in Canada stronger than it was two years ago? And then question two, what weaknesses have emerged over the last two years that we need to work on? So a bit of a report card as we come out of this. Rob, why don't you uh, you get us started? You can see the whole country from where you're sitting, right? Give it. So Yeah, it
2: although me. now we're separated from the whole country with the flooding that's going on. Oh, that's so great. I don't know. We're kind of blocked off. We feel a bit like Newfoundland now. So yeah, you're an island. An island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have an island and we're an island. I, you know, I think there's been great strengths shown and great weaknesses, and they they tie together, I think, in many ways. I think I've seen a new desire to be dependent upon God, a new desire to pray and to understand how weak and fragile we are as pastors and elders and churches. So there's, a, I, I think, a new humility that's hitting those who are responding correctly to this in churches and in leadership uh, teams. So I, I think a new dependence, I think a new uh, delight, desire to, to get back to things that really matter. So kind of a refining of we want to gather. Uh, what does that look like? How do we do it together? We want to unite on the things that really matter. And so I think there's a remnant or a, a group I think that have stayed loyal to those things. And in fact, I think even had them sharpen in their own minds. And I think that's a strength. And then even a new devotion to why are we here? Why does a church exist and understanding, okay, what does it mean to glorify God at times like this? What does it mean to love one another self-sacrificially? What does it mean to accomplish the mission and reach people for Christ? And so I think there's been a refining of some of the uh, convenient Christianity that's there to, Hey, there is a cost to this. There is things happening. There is, Um, All sorts of chaos around us, and even I think most of us would acknowledge in the churches. And so, if you go to weaknesses, I think some of those things would show there as well. I think a lot of worldly thinking had invaded the church and aligned itself with people. And so, people are responding, whether that on either extreme, they're responding like the world would respond. And I think there's an American invasion of evangelicalism that I think finally we're responding to, maybe in a positive way, saying, Hey, we're not California. You know, we can't, we can't just think politically. And so even as I think uh, Paul said earlier, there's this political invasion. I think there's also an understanding from most that that's not where we want to go. And so you have kind of the extreme political stand. But I think a renewed understanding that politics aren't going to save us. The government or anti-government isn't going to save us. We need to get back to focusing on Jesus and fixating on his mission. But I think that that invasion has shown a lack of depth. Uh, probably we haven't done as good as we thought on discipleship, probably the numbers we thought we had. Now I'm just thinking broader evangelical church are not what we thought. And we're seeing a lot of transition, uh, probably a low level of loyalty to the local church, uh, people leaving for all sorts of different reasons. I think I would agree with you, Paul, that, that a lot of those reasons aren't COVID, but they're connected to COVID. And it seems like somehow if, if we agree on masks or, Uh, passports or whatever it is, that loyalty to one another, at least on the weakness of the church is more important than our view of the gospel, our view of the sovereignty of God, our view of his goodness, those sort of things. So I think think we've surfaced a weakness of uh, a lack of depth that I think will impact us and I hope will cause us to respond and say, okay, how do we make sure that we're devoted to Jesus and we hear his word and obey it and we're reaching people for Christ and doing it in such a way that we're deepening their lives with him? rather than just making a cultural difference. So I hope that kind of apathy and anger is, which I think is there in in most, at least in British Columbia, it's there. I think it's there uh, across Canada. I hope that we can respond to that with an authenticity that God is real, that God is relevant, that God is engaged and that we need to then respond and live all of life in his presence for his glory. That's good.
0: Anyone else want I to jump we're... in on that, either a strength or a weakness?
1: I was going to add, Paul, I... I, when I preached through Romans for the first time years ago uh, and got to chapter 14, it sort of baffled me why Paul went there. You know, you've, you've got these 11 glorious chapters of salvation doctrine, uh, and then the pivot in chapter 12, and then, okay, the outworking of love. Uh, but why does he go basically a chapter and a half, 14 and a half of 15 on this uh, conscience week hey, of hey, Paul, before you go
2: there, are you skipping 13 on purpose? Like
1: no, you did. I said 13. Quick summary there. I, I have, <laughs> just kidding go yeah thanks for that uh but it you know when when i was working my way through that passage the first time which i find a very complicated passage um Mm -hmm. you know the big issues then were you know homeschool public school christian school uh they were they were kind of those look like soft touch issues now and i think part of what COVID has done this season is exposed we don't really have good categories of conscience so i see a lot of people Mm -hmm. talking about conscience in a way that will eventually lead to anarchy, because I'm, you know, my, now conscience is whatever I think about any particular issue, and therefore I must be true to my conscience, which means I must only do what I think is right, which is anarchy. Uh, uh, so we need good categories of what is a conscience issue, what is a, just an area of conviction, and, uh, and what is this massive emphasis in the New Testament on unity? And in particular, a unity that embraces that kind of diversity. We have not been tested in those areas, I don't think, in Canada, like we have in the last couple of years. And I think it's exposed a lot of immaturity. Uh, In my own thinking, in in our church, um, I was, last night we had a meeting and I was hanging, you know, afterwards with people and a couple young ladies who would see things very differently. And We were rejoicing in the fact that we're still in the same church and we can love one another and we can major on the major things and just be puzzled about the other things. But that takes a ton of work and lots of prayer and a bucket load of humility. Yeah, That's good. A maturity.
0: Anyone else?
3: Strength or weakness? Mark, we haven't heard from you for a bit. Yeah, I I think... Anything I'd say would just be retreading what you guys have said. I mean that, we've seen that same thing the the real the real loyalty to something other than the gospel mm. um, you know and, and yeah that's something that we've had to kind of combat because um, anytime I, I sit down with somebody um, they're prepared to tell me, why? <laughs> yeah, just the other day. Well, this isn't actually my opinion because I've actually <laughs> yeah, done my research. Exactly. Um, you know, and uh, I, my my regular thing to say to people is, you know, um, I don't think we're going to really understand very much about COVID and what it is and all things related to it till about 50 years from now, when we finally can look back and go, oh, you know, there's a lot of stuff here that, uh, you know, and uh, at every level, politically um, medically, uh, there's a lot of things that are going on, you know, so, uh, you know, I, yeah. So I'm not really answering your question. I'm rambling. So I'll stop rambling now. Yeah,
0: you
4: know what I I, I I will summarize it this way. I think one of the great strengths that have been exposed over the last two years is the necessity of church. Um, and what I mean by that in regards to just, we need to gather and we need to be the church uh, as a caveat on a personal level, the pastors, I know for me, one of the great strengths is I have, I, I've, I've always valued friendship. I, I now need friendship. Mm. Uh, it's not just a value. It is some, it is air I breathe. We need community as pastors, as Christians and all that. The great, and you weakness. feel
0: that Stephen, when, when you're being attacked, don't you? Like, oh. cause I hear you saying that and I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing I know what that comes out of. It comes right. out of the last three weeks, right?
4: Yes. Not only I that, but you. now on the flip coin, I think the great weakness that's been exposed is how we've defined church has been shown that we have been really flawed in our ecclesiology of North America. Uh, And I think I pray that coming out of this, we will harness this strength of the necessity of church Mm
2: -hmm. and double
4: down on our need to preach good, slow, deliberate ecclesiology as it applies to places as like romans and everyday life and all of these types of things i think one of the reasons why we look at church history and we admire it and yet so often not learn from it is because we are a very unique and blessed people that for the last hundred years have enjoyed an awful lot of freedom which is instead of being thankful for and taking advantage of it we've grown fat and lazy and compliant and complacent And so now when we're facing, for the first time, cultural tension, political tension, I mean, Satan is a very sharp adversary. We have a well-meaning, yet obviously confused government trying to deal with stuff. Media and everybody else has turned fragments of society against each other. And we've seen that just wash through our churches. And I think a big part of that is because we've had a poor application of ecclesiology. So that's how I would define strengths and weaknesses.
0: A friend of mine said recently in a, a conversation we were having that um, he suspects that on the other side of COVID, the church will be smaller at the edges and stronger at the center. And uh, I think that's a pretty good summary. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing as well. All right, I want to turn the page here and uh, begin talking about recovery. Uh, I want to address that issue from a personal perspective, but then also uh, in terms of our, our congregations as a whole. So as pastors uh, we've been hearing tons of stats it's alarming I um, the the Barna group I, I think yesterday I saw it yesterday maybe it was released a couple days ago said that looks like 38% of pastors in the United States are uh, contemplating at some level a transition out of, out of ministry um, you were here even hearing stats like that for the last last couple of weeks don't quote me on that in case I've got the wrong number I just I saw, I saw that yesterday and I thought that's a high number um, and then you were hearing numbers like that uh, even a few a few weeks ago I know Karen uh, Newhoff had something about the number of pastors uh, contemplating uh, leaving the ministry so whatever that is and whatever the number is who knows a uh, lot of guys obviously have have, you know, some heavy miles, um, on the tires over the last 20 months. So I'm, I'm just curious to hear what you're doing in terms of or what your plan is in terms of personal recovery for you as an, as an individual. And then, uh, also as a church. So Mark, why don't we start with you?
3: <clears throat> yeah. So, um, I, uh, I was, I was pretty much burnt out before the COVID thing hit. I'd been 17 years, uh, in, in pulpit and, and, uh, And COVID didn't make that easier. And it actually uh, uh, sidetracked a a planned sabbatical I was supposed to have. And then I went on an emergency sabbatical in the middle of COVID because it just was getting to be a lot. And uh, I kind of regret that sabbatical because it didn't work very well. You know, so, uh, you know, if you want to hear about uh, what doesn't work very well, I I have some insight. Um, But things that have worked well for me and, and for as far as personal recovery goes, and I don't know if that's universal, but I think it's 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 fairly applicable to pastors. We do a lot of work with, you know, the books on the shelf, which involves sitting in chairs and using our mind. I, I find I get my best rest going outside and doing something physically. Um, my my best recovery this year was I got on a bicycle and rode from Ontario to New Brunswick, um, and slept in a hammock every night, and it was fantastic. I was outside. I saw nature. I got fresh air. Uh, The the other thing that I think is really key that's helpful to me is having a few projects, you know, just on the side that where you see a little bit of progress, whether it's a house little renovation project or some sort of, I I think sometimes we run down hobbies because, you know, yeah, we go, well, it's not very spiritual to have a hobby, but I mean, so much of the work that we do takes years to see the fruit from um, that, having something where, where, on a regular basis, you can go, ah, well, I just finished building that. You know, so as far as getting outside, doing something physical, I think that's restful for pastors. Uh, right now, my wife got a wood stove, so I've been splitting wood in the side and, and sawing down trees with my brother. Um, but then uh, Godly Fellowship, you know, getting together with, uh, with other pastors um, in person if possible, I always find that to be fantastic. And then the other thing I've done just for personal restoration is uh, when I went on sabbatical a year ago, um, I cut all my media off for three months. I didn't I didn't even take a cell phone with me. Um, and as I have come back, I've been very cautious about how much people will say to me all the time, oh, did you hear about what's going on BC? BC? And you go, no, tell me. Because I just literally, I don't even track with the news most of the well, time. Let me tell you, it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've, I've kind of, once people mention it, then I'll go in and actually look stuff up. But I, I just find there's so much stuff that comes through the media and through the news that's so completely irrelevant to the work I'm doing here um, that uh, it's been more restful to me to not be getting a constant feed of, uh, of uh, press conferences. That's good.
0: Good. Anybody else want to jump in that? How, how are you uh, planning to recover? Uh, and, and maybe you haven't started to think about it. I'd love to kickstart your thinking. Uh I kind of think of this these are as I said heavy miles on the the car, right? Like uh this has not been highway driving for the last 20 months. Um and so you know you pr- we probably all need uh tires rotated, we probably need an oil change. Um there may be some air filter issues. Anybody else uh have a have a metaphor or a plan they want to share? <laughs>
1: No, let's not have any more metaphors, please. (laughs) Uh, uh, I think uh, uh, what's been helpful for me is um, our church is in a place where we have more than one staff member. Mm -hmm. And so being able to have fellowship with brothers every day, um, it's not always been the case for me. When the church was planted, it was certainly not the case. Earlier years in ministry was not the case. And so I have a deep sympathy for guys that are flying solo. Mm -hmm. especially in some of the crises where you don't have just a person right there to kind of grind your way through an idea and figure out the direction to go. So I'm grateful to God for that. Mm -hmm. Grateful to God for the little pastor's fellowship we have in the city. We met over zoom when we couldn't meet in person. Now we're meeting in person again, singing a hymn, praying together, talking (laughs) about these thorny issues together. That's been super helpful. Um, but I will say, I think there's been something, um, you know, when COVID hit, i kind of called all the outside ministries I was a part of and said, yeah, not doing that anymore. Sorry. I got a local church that I need to shepherd through this time. And my love for my local church, I don't think it was waning, but it certainly increased over COVID. So, uh, I'm grateful for that and and being very particular about what I go back into and how much I do it. Um, I don't, There's always this accordion we're playing when when you're, if you've got a kind of big view of what the gospel can do in Canada, you want to see, you want to see pastors built up. You want to see churches strengthened. You want to see uh, these coalitions of of friendships made amongst, you know, gospel preaching works. Well, that takes people to do some of those things. And I want to be a part of all those things. Uh, But man, oh man, has my love for the local church and this local church in particular just skyrocketed. So grateful for where the Lord's put me. And I guess I'm saying I, I draw energy from that strength from that. It's good.
4: Mm-hmm. And maybe just to get, I guess, show the opposite side of that, because we're all different and diverse. I, I think um, for me, I relate to, to Mark. I, I, for me, my personality, my break, my makeup is a change is as good as a rest.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So just changing routines Uh, changing things, you know, you get into grinds and rhythms and COVID really exasperated that because you just find a survival. And then you all of a sudden realize, man, I'm deep into this rut. So I, I tried to take really good advantages of some opportunities for having
1: change uh, cause hey, Steve, I'm fun. just really, I'm really curious. Did you change where the barbecue is in the garage? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, don't, don't mess with uh, professionals. Well, I,
4: I expanded my <laughs> repertoire to brisket and fish, wow. and not just, not just steak. steak. So, and you built
0: an outdoor barbecue too, didn't you? I, in the backyard, I did, and yeah. and that
4: was the other thing. Like that, Mark is right? For me, anyway, that physical yeah. exertion, that just to, to fall in bed to be physically, I, I will. I always tell the story. My father, when I was a teenager called like crashed into our car one day I had to pick him up and I said dad what's wrong and he said I'm just mentally exhausted and I remember mocking my father like literally mocking him like you know because I was working for a cement company I was you know 18 years old I was like ah mental exhaustion what are you talking about go slug concrete for nine hours and tell me about being tired did you survive that conversation uh, (laughs) well no here's what I had I had a father that had a very long version of parenting who said yeah the lord will teach you son and <laughs> and the lord has because i i would take physical exhaustion over mental exhaustion any day huh. and and there is something very healthy about physical exhaustion and so i have really really appreciated times where i could just get out and literally just be physically exhausted because it really recharged my brain yeah. It, it really changed. I slept differently, more well, you know, just hydrating and all that stuff. And, and as Mark said, the joy of slugging at something and seeing it built really, really helped. Um, and then, you know, for me, this was just a unique opportunity. Uh, the last month for me, I've been traveling, but I will tell you something that really recharged my batteries was being in Spain with pastors from Africa and Brazil and 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 uh, uh South Africa and Spain and and Albania and listening to these men tell me their stories and their passion for God and their little local churches of 12 or 24 to 500 in Kenya pastor or sorry Malawi a poor church of 500 and and cuz I just realized lord I've been in the midst of a bad Elijah moment I'm the only yeah. one serving you and this one person is just going to kill my life and then god says i have all of this going on in my planet and you're a small small part of it and you should be rejoicing in it and so i come home exhausted and tired I, I will be honest it's been a lot but man do i have a reinvigorated understanding that covid is not controlling our god and and that there are men and women around this world serving jesus and that has helped my recovery a global perspective of God working on our planet and not just me only gazing at my one corner has given me a new energy Mm, for, for what God's doing.
0: That's good.
4: Rob, do you want to jump in on that
0: before we move to the next question?
2: I think great things covered. For me, friendships both here and around the globe have been very helpful to me, just reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ and those important things, I think in the midst of the heavy battles of COVID for us, you know, we have five, 10, 15 people that are very uh, many that have left the church that I focused all of my time on. And that was exhausting. You're trying to hold the fort together and and they're attacking and angry and I think for me, it's still loving those people still trying to help them in, in gentleness and truth, but but also focusing on so many good things that are happening. So just almost a refocus of, okay, God, where are you really working in terms of accomplishing great things, Where is the fruit being displayed and and engaging there is much more joyful and energizing than in trying to hold the, your fingers in a dike that seems to have already split. So I think for me, the friendships have been huge for me, uh, being able to call guys and just say, listen, I'm tired. I, I don't feel like going on. Uh, especially I would say other pastors kind of around Canada and around the world, but, but also just that, that understanding that when I'm looking at those 10 or 15 people, it feels like the world hates me and you get your sight off of that. And you see the six, 700 that are excited and tracking and wanting to re-engage uh, has been very helpful to me. So I hope I can hold that focus and, and keep that energy coming. But I, I think other than those things, I would agree with what's been said.
0: Mm, that's really good. Uh, I want to just turn the the corner and talk a little bit about recovery of our churches. I'm curious as to how your churches are doing and and what uh, you're seeing in your congregation that might be helpful to share with other guys. Um, I've been on a couple uh, conversations like this with, with pastors. I heard in one, I think it was two weeks ago that within one denomination, the average rate of returns, this is a denomination in Canada. The average rate of return was only about 40 to 50%. So now in terms of how that's being calculated, so they would, you would take whatever month you're in, we're in November right now. So you take November, 2019, what, what was your average live attendance then? Uh, And then you, you ask, okay, well, what's your average live attendance now? And you, you calculate the percentage return. And uh, I was hearing that 40 to 50% is, was average in this denomination on the, the private pastors forum uh, that, that uh, Wyatt and I facilitate, the number one answer uh, was 50 to 70%. So that's a little higher, but then we had, we had churches recording, um, you know, 80, 90%, uh, a couple churches that were actually plants uh, or had been in the process of planting when COVID happened, were re- recording even, even more uh 105%. So curious, uh, you know, where are your people at in terms of the process of, of live recovery? Give us a bit of a baseline that may be helpful to other guys to hear, um, and then we'll talk about what we're doing to regather and restore those folks. So uh, Steven, maybe we'll just work East to West on this. Uh, you're you're out East. Uh, tell us what your, how your return rate is going.
4: So I say this with absolute humility. Um, we are at 100% of what we were in 20. Oh, that's great. And to be honest with you, that is only at that because we're not allowed to go any bigger than that. If, if we sure. went, if I had yeah. greater restrict lifting of restrictions we would be larger calvary baptist church is larger today than it was in 2019 our membership has increased our baptisms we baptized more people in 2020 and 2021 than we did in 2018 and 2019 That's awesome. Um, we had a thanksgiving retreat where we were allowed to sign up young people between the ages of 18 and 28 and had 50 of those people sign up to get a turkey dinner um and that is more than double the last time we did that um All right. so so i'm going to mark a- you
0: down as fully returned uh <laughs> in terms of live attendance which is awesome paul i yeah. think you're next because you're east of me um so what what how are you doing in terms of
1: return rate <clears throat> yeah I, i'd say we're 100 percent, but that 100 percent is not the same 100 percent. yeah right so uh, we've probably, I I haven't done the math. I would say we've probably over the course of COVID had 40 members move on, but we've added 40. Yeah. Uh, And then we have a lot of people in the pipeline. So, uh, we're a new church and we're still trying to figure out who we are. There's always an element of that in the city. There's always a Mm -hmm. pretty high turnover rate, but it was definitely, uh, sped up a little bit by COVID.
0: Yeah. Good. Uh, I think I'm next on the east east to west line. Uh, for us, we, we calculated uh, as of last month, we were at 92% return rate. But like Paul, some folks out and some folks in. And in, in fact, one of the strange, you're always, in any two-year period, you're going to have people moving to other towns. And I kind of thought people would move out, but they wouldn't move in. Because um, how do you get connected to a church in a time like this? But, but by the grace of God, we just saw a ton of people coming in. And that's been great. Um, yeah, Gus can been, been very kind there, Mark, you'd be next east to west.
3: Yeah, I think we're probably about 75, 80%, same sort of thing. I we've inherited folks and picked up new folks and lost certain folks. Um, certainly our, we have some fairly, uh, our, the constraints of our building are such that, uh, um, it's hard to, to get back to a hundred percent, um, and still follow any sort of protocols, just because yep. it's a building that's put up in 1876 and um, is not very large. Um, but uh, you know, we we have a parking lot option which has been taken advantage of by people on on both fringes. You know, um, I've got folks that are you know wearing three masks in their car, sitting next to the person who would never be vaccinated. You know, even if it was Spanish flu. Um, and talking, one of them with their window rolled all the way down, leaning out. The other one with this much, you know, talking a bit. But, uh, you know, so that's that's given us a little bit of flexibility. But I, yeah, I'd say 75 80% is probably where we're at. Good stuff, Rob. I, it would depend. So right now, when we
2: quit our move five-week moving average, we keep track. we about 750. Uh, when we were allowed to come back fully, so there's right now zero restrictions, at least in our area. Some other areas in BC, there's restrictions, but we have zero. Uh, we came back at about 500, and then we had some COVID cases in the church, so the elders put some restrictions on, and that dropped us substantially immediately. We dropped about 200. Uh, now we're kind of back to the 400, 450. So what, what is that? Probably 50, 60%. We've also found that our online is not dripping. So we have uh, way more people attending online than mm-hmm. our lives. So we're we're really unsure where this is going to level out. Yes. I think there is, uh, we still have our angry people. So if you ask us to wear a mask, we won't come. Mm-hmm. We still want to come to the church. We still think it's our church, but we're going to wait till you stop asking us to do what stupid things that the government does. And then we have the other extreme uh, probably a substantial more number of those people. We had a lot of seniors that haven't yet re-engaged, uh, or are engaging online, but want to wait and and just feel tenderized by it. So I would say, you know, I'm hoping we're we're consistent. Of the 500 that are attending now, probably 150 are new. Our membership class is our largest ever. And uh, that's happening live Sunday morning. So good things happening, but I'm really unsure of what it means long term for attendance and not sure we'll know for another four or five months, depending on what's happening in in British Columbia and Canada. So
0: let's, let's talk about uh, what, what we're doing to help re reconsolidate that group. Uh, you know, and interestingly, I've heard in a number of these meetings, these sorts of conversations, that people are feeling like there's a lot of new people here. And so, yeah, we've got some folks back. I think everybody, uh, to a greater or lesser extent, could echo what Rob said about still some angry folks who, who are bugged with us and not coming back. But still their church, but not coming back until there's no masks, no spacing, et cetera. Some other folks who are just, as you say, feeling tender, um, not coming, coming back till I'm sure I'm safe, et cetera. Uh, but we're putting together all, all these pieces again, right? So what are you doing? What, what's happening right now in your church uh, to help rebuild, regather, uh, and heal the body of Christ as it gathers in, in, under your, your watch? Paul, do you want to start?
1: Sure. You said Uh, an exciting start there, Paul. Yeah, Yeah. sure. We're uh, uh, we're doing the ordinary means of grace, brothers. So we're trying to exalt God. Gathering Sunday mornings, we meet in two services. It's the only way to get people uh, in our, we don't like two services. We'll move back to one as soon as we're able. We're in a gym, so that uh, gives us a lot of flexibility with seating. We can set it up the best way we can to get the most bodies in. And, uh, after we had that going, the next thing we added was, um, actually, yeah, I think it was the next thing we added was our prayer meetings. So we meet every week to pray and we're more committed to that than ever. Just spending an hour every week, praying for the country, praying for the world, praying for gospel advance. And then the next thing we added is, uh, like we've had small groups running throughout. So that's been, uh, the weird, one of the weird things of COVID that's been our greatest participation in small groups ever uh in our 21 year history so uh that's been going and uh we have some that meet here some that meet in home some that meet online some that meet outside they're all they're all different based on who's in the group and uh, we're trusting that that stuff's going to do the work and i feel like it is Uh, people are getting to know one another and uh, serving one another all the normal stuff
0: that's good Uh, So I'm curious. curious. I mean, I I don't know that anybody would, I don't want to put everybody in the position where they just have to repeat what Paul said. Um, Yeah. At the best of times, we would want to do that brothers, but, uh, but I I would imagine all of us are re-engaging the ordinary means, finding great comfort and healing uh, value in just sitting under the word of God. Like, like Paul mentioned, we're in the same boat where we have to run two services to get everybody in because of the spacing requirements here in Ontario, small groups. Also, it's great to, you know, great to get, get, Ladies together, men together, couples together. Um, I just wrapped up uh, a small group with young leaders that was just just wonderful. Um, so enjoying enjoying that. Uh, anything else that you're noticing uh, that just needs to be part of your pastoral approach as you as you regather some folks that have been battered and bruised and and feeling the effects of this pandemic.
2: I think. Uh, go ahead, Steve.
4: Oh, sorry, Rob. Go ahead.
2: I just just emphasizing the Romans 14 stuff that the focusing on the essentials I think every time I get to teach outside of our regular preaching I'm emphasizing that we want to be marked by love and holiness if you want to kind of float up what marks our family we want to be marked by preferential love kind of the Romans 12 10 thing and we want to be marked by a pursuit of personal holiness that includes humility and and so we'll talk about those things much more than we used to Mm-hmm. I think we used to assume those. They're kind of table stakes and you're building around those. Now we don't assume them anymore. And so anytime someone comes with a very strong opinion, we remind them as quickly as possible that although those opinions are welcome, we want to welcome other opinions, we want to be a place that that floats to the top, that self-sacrificial love and that pursuit of being set apart and being absolutely pure. Those are the things we'll battle for personally and together in humility. And the other stuff just becomes secondary. And I think for the most part, we're winning on it. The ones that need to make it primary are, they still gather. They have their little gatherings on Sunday mornings. So if our congregation is watching us, they'll know I'm sharing about them. Uh, but we're trying to blow those apart so that the unity, and some of you have talked about it, we're not seeing that as much here. We're not seeing the, the anti-maskers. If you get the vaccine, you're going to die in a year meeting with, uh, if you're not vaccinated, you're not loving. We're not seeing that connection, but we're hoping they can at least function together, and then eventually rebuild. But the emphasis being on experiencing the love of Christ, loving in that kind of way, and pursuing His holiness in practical ways, which always yields humility. Yeah, that's good, Stephen. Yeah, were are, where are you jumping?
4: I was going to add that I think for us, um, I think some of the the groundwork we had done years ago I think has has proven to our church the dividends in this, which is non-apologetic systematically preaching through books hmm. um being together not a, not at all abandoning that what i what here's a couple of really interesting things that I've, we've discovered we went through a prolonged period of time where we couldn't have communion and we really we were one of those churches we didn't want to do it virtually we wanted to do it together Amen. and uh, <clears throat> we uh I remember the first no, I'm time. I'm sorry started, you
2: missed out on that means of grace, but keep
4: going. <laughs> we were one of those groups then that went and bought these cheesy little things that had the little wafer and the little thing all in a wonder to try and you know protect the protocols and that. And let me just tell you, I don't care what company advertises; those things are gross. Uh, they, they, so it made us rethink everything, and so we actually had to kind of come up with this new way to do communion where we could actually have elements but and pass them out, but do so in a but what it did inadvertently was brought a sense of intimacy and togetherness that I think we had never experienced before. And, mm. and dare I say it, I think our church has a brand new lease on communion. Mm. Um, they're really thinking through it, the value of it, the togetherness of it, uh, the intimacy of it. And so I think something that maybe inadvertently familiarity had bred some contempt mm. as, has uh, done that. I think the other thing that our church, and again, this is somewhat culture and and somewhat spiritual, um, just you know what? I think the old-fashioned Baptist for us potluck uh, people are longing to just be together and hold each other and share food together and laugh in a whole big room. And I don't think there will be sitting with your click. It'll be to sit and then move around. And how are you? And how, like just this to sit, there's just urgency for us to be together um, that I, I just get tickled with. I, I love the fact, the other outflow of this, that I would say last one has been, we have started to sacrifice financially to just help people in our community. We gave away stuff to all of our firemen. We blessed all of our paramedics. We, we are in the process of giving something for Christmas. Thank you cards and a little Starbucks gift card to all of the ER nurses and doctors and staff. And that has come at expense where we have had to put other ministries aside to say, we're going to do this. And it has just taught our people what it means to somewhat live in exile and just bless the community around us for no bait and switch no looking for media attention, no reason, but just to go in stealthily, pass it over and get out of Dodge and let the people just enjoy it, whether they know it's us or not. And I think that has taught our people what it means to just be like Christ and move on. Good. Good. Mark, did you want to add anything to that?
3: Yeah. uh, The the one thing that and this one, everybody's commented on, um, uh, you know, means of grace, the the ordinary means, the, the teaching and, and, and uh, gathering. And the one thing that I would maybe add that has been really helpful to us that has nothing to do with anything spiritual, it's just uh, equipment related, is we, and it was very accidental, we got one of those little radio broadcasters that broadcasts on a blank channel back when you could have parking lot church. Um, and we have really found that we continue to use that um, it's more popular than the online. I was surprised, but the people that are on the shoulders or on the fringes, the ones who refuse to ever put a mask on, the ones who are terrified to come into the building, you know, um, th- they come and they sit in the parking lot. And then after church, you know, there's, there's kind of the mingling out in the parking lot and the yeah. waving back and forth. And that has just, I think really uh, moved us along so that there's, there's kind of a, there's a little bit of soft space there um, for people to, to, uh, to be together while still having a little bit of separation if that's necessary. And that's also given us a lot more freedom inside the building, because basically inside the building, there's a, that that's where our moderate group kind of gathers and nobody's got a yardstick out going, hey, how close are you, you know? Um, and, and all those things have just, been a real uh benefit as far as our as far as our unity goes because you see people you're gathered online you know well there's different ways to do online but um we just didn't find that but the the the, the little radio broadcaster which probably doesn't work if you're in Toronto you have no parking lot and every radio station is full but if you're in Norfolk County
0: hey hey it works great so. <laughs> that's good man great well let's uh turn the corner to our final uh, conversation category as we begin to talk about rebuilding uh, COVID blew the house down, you know, and a lot of, a lot of things. I, I remember just anecdotally, we were in the process of building out a deacon's ministry We're we're in an el- elder church. So uh, our directors are uh, elected elders. And so um, probably similar polity to what you each have, but we, we were at a place in the church where we needed another level of leaders, leaders that would really just coordinate our care Um, to vulnerable members and and bleed some of that out into the into the community as appropriate but we were in the process of building that and we were moving very slow and being very careful because actually in a previous iteration of our church there had been some conflict between elders and deacons because those roles weren't clarified and so um, we were moving very slow we were teaching we were and we had it, it it took us about 18 months to have it. And it was just, I think we had our first meeting before COVID hit and then like everything we just built crumbled to the ground. And, And then by God's grace, about six months uh, into COVID, we, we thought, we don't know how long it's going to go. So we've got to figure out how to build this back. So we started, we got it up and going and, and by God's grace, it, it's going now and working very well, but every, we've all had these experiences. So I'm curious to hear, you know, how your, your build back is, is going, what are you doing? now that maybe you weren't even thinking of doing. We were all in the middle, of, well, I don't know if we were all, but several churches were either in the middle of or having just finished a series called Vision 2020, right? And I think, I wonder if that's the ultimate cause of COVID. God just looked down and said, all right, uh, you got a plan, do you? Uh, whew, <laughs> and off she goes. So uh, all of our plans are kind of in the dust, and, and now we're also all feeling different about the church. I think Every I've heard all of you just express a deeper appreciation for the simple center, right? For the simple stuff. And so maybe you're re, you're not reaching out as far in terms of program extensions as you were before. I'd, I'd just love to hear how this has how this experience has changed or shifted uh, your, your build-out plans moving forward. So I don't know who we'd plan to start with there. Uh, Stephen, why don't we start with you?
4: Yeah, you know what, I'll I'll tell you, maybe, you know, I've been away for a while, but here we are, second Christmas of COVID, um, and um, we're we're really, there's no big event planned between Mm -hmm. now and December 24th. No big concert, no big this, and you know what, I am really cool with that. Uh, We're just going to enjoy each other when we're together. We're going to have a great Christmas Eve service where we are thought-provoked. Uh, we're going to have a wonderful day on Boxing Day because it happens to fall on a Sunday. And I love it. Like No one has emailed me. Are we still going to do church on Boxing Day? It's the weekend. Like Everybody's just like, yeah, we're going to do it. And then we're going to go skating afterwards. And uh, we're just going to have a fun time doing that. So I think um, in the rebuilding stage, I think we, I feel, at least on a personal level, much more comfortable to not always think bigger, better, flashier, newer, what's novel. I, I feel like that maybe I've been finally set free as a, as a guy who's extroverted and loves to be creative that God didn't create me to impress anybody, but to just enjoy him and glorify him and, and to let our own church discover some things, you know, we have discovered new leaders. We have discovered people with amazing gifts of serving people that have an immense gifts of creativity for how to help each other. And, and so I think that we are much more free, or I feel much more free in the rebuilding stage to, you uh, know, keep it simple. And I won't finish the acronym, but uh, but uh, you know, and we're living in a world where we, I mean, and for us, we're really centered on planting more churches. We we I live in a church in a hard place. There's almost no evangelical light. Um, we're praying for revival, and I think that we are realizing, you know what, the Bible, the gospel. And a great view of God is what changes the world, not not fancy systems. So I I feel like I have been unburdened from the need to constantly conjure up new things. And our church has developed a new appreciation for congregational singing. for even through masks. I mean, it's amazing. We used to do, could, could we hear the congregation sing? Now it's like, man, it was excellent to hear the congregation sing through a mask. Right. And, and so we're just rejoicing in that. Um, so I'm very thankful. But, you know, all kidding aside, uh, Paul, I think, you know, you alluded to it. I think James 4 has really taken on new teeth for Christians and churches. I think we always read James 4 and thought that's what the unsaved person must think and forget that James was writing to a group of Christians And so I think, you know, I've been much more to say, not as a cliche of Christian sanctimoniousness, but if the Lord wills, this is what we will try to do. And if it's not what the Lord wills, it's still what the Lord wills in his time as I tune into it. So I think I've learned as we rebuild, I think the DNA of our church will be, okay, here's what we think we would like to do. We're going to bring this to the Lord. And if God allows it, great. And if God says, I've got other plans, that's great too. Yeah. Good. Thanks brother.
0: Anyone else want to share how this experience, uh, is, is affected their plans to build, build back and how they're building back as we come out of this.
1: I'd be kind of curious to hear from you guys. I think one of the big hits we personally took was just the catechism of our children. So Hmm. that was probably in our, in our gatherings, there wasn't really a place to do children's ministry. Hmm. And I got a hundred kids here that need to, you know, learn their Bible verses and their catechism and, uh, Yeah. So we're, we're inching back there where those, those programs are up and running to a certain degree, but um, yeah, I'm eager to hear what you guys, if that's part of what you saw as well.
0: We, we started children's ministry up this semester. So uh, back in, in September. Uh, So we've been running for September, October, November, at now with obviously smaller cohorts and, and spacing and weirdness and all that. But, uh, we did start that up and uh, midweek, and, and are seeing good good buy into that. I think the kids kids are back in school, right? So they're eager to to be back with their other activities. They've been pressing through um, whatever oddities there are in terms of protocols. But you're right. I mean, that was one of the hits, right? Children's ministry is is was hard to pull off under these protocols. Um, on the plus side, I think you know we had lots. We we noticed a huge uptick in terms of um, kids sitting sitting through the service and, um, you know, with parents and, and figuring that out, which, which is great. Um, so I, you know, I think you can learn some interesting things and uh, I- even in a difficult time, but yeah, definitely saw that. But, it, but, but that pushes it back on mom and dad. I remember one of my initial observations about the pandemic, because uh, when the pandemic started, I, th- I thought it was fun. It was like a road trip, right? Um, this would be great. <laughs> My son plays, you know, high-level soccer. So I was excited not to have to drive all over uh, Ontario for, I thought, maybe a couple of weeks. This will be fun. Catch up on my sleep. And so when I was enjoying it, one of the the things I was enjoying the most was the fact that we had family devotions. I think at one point we had set like a world record 17 nights in a row or something like that. I don't remember what it was. Whereas, you know, before you were three or four nights in a week, four or five in a week, uh, but there was always one or two here you couldn't get to. So I, I
4: think it pushed it back more on parents, which I don't think is a bad thing either in the long run. And we were like you, uh, Paul, uh, we started in September getting back to regular Sunday school. I, I am very thankful. Again, this is one of the things that the Lord has taught me with great humility. It's just what it means to really do an Ephesians 4, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. This really forced men and women of our church to step up. And so they were creative with Zoom, did things with children, new volunteers. Some of our even teenagers jumped in there. We, we used Truth78, and we did the, the New City Catechism stuff, did it virtually. Uh, one of the great things was, I think, in the providence of God, just before COVID hit, one of the ladies that oversees all of our children's ministry had just done this thing to pair up all of our kids with two adults, mm-hmm. where those two adults covenanted to pray every day for that particular child or two that they were assigned. And COVID made it, like I was, that was one of the great spiritual disciplines that I can say before God for 365 days, I prayed for the same two kids by name, just cried out to God for them. And they are now etched in my heart. Like I just know and I'm aware of where those two kids are all the time. But again, I'm with you in the sense of um, it is nice. It has been so nice to see our Sunday school with some restrictions and so on and so forth. But I, I do think the next thing for us will be what do we do here? Like, you know, VBS, like getting those kids together and and all that kind of stuff. But um, we've been blessed uh, in that sense.
0: All right. So others just want to jump in in terms of, as you, as you start to think about building back um, how, how will that look different than it might've two years ago? Rob, how about you? You, you've been through a a pretty significant shake out there. How, how will your build back plan reflect that?
2: I think it's helped us simplify. So we did our AGM last night and we were looking over the budget expenditures and literally some of our ministries didn't spend anything. Yeah. So it was, it was a very interesting. So I think that the simplify what actually accomplishes mission and, and to be able and willing to discuss anything and everything. So we still do a traditional Sunday school. Does it work? Is it actually uh, helping us accomplish a mission God has given us? So I, I think we're still in the beginning process of rebuilding. We're, we're struggling. Kids, men, we have a phenomenal kids team that did a great job. Our children's director is amazing. Uh, she's creative, all of those things. We're, we're finding staffing our kids ministry is difficult. People are either nervous or whatever it is uh, that, that staffing it at the same. So all our kids are back, it feels like. So we, we have the, the numbers back, but we don't have the staffing back of volunteers. So little things like that we're just having to rethink what what does this mean and, and what's the impact. But I think the biggest thing, I think you guys have all said it is, is to simplify, to reset what really matters to make us a healthy church. How do we go deeper? One of the things we're considering too is if something else comes down the pike, which I think it might, given Canada and something maybe in terms of religious persecution, those sorts of things, how can we be ready to respond? How can we take some of the things we learned during COVID and apply them so that we're deeper and more prepared for, whatever might be coming in the sovereign plan of God and still keep a strong, healthy church uh, vibrant. If we can't meet in a building, if we can't, if some of those things happen. So how do we reset in such a way that we're a little bit
3: wider in terms of influence and impact?
0: That's good. Mark, did you want to jump in on that?
3: Uh, no, not really. I, you know, smaller country church, we, uh, we, uh um, it did not derail too many of our plans and, uh, uh, them back on track is, is not overly difficult. Cause we, we're fairly traditional in our, in our, in our approach to things. So.
0: Good. Yeah. I'm hearing the same from a lot of folks, just that, that their plans are going to be a little more modest as it were, like whatever, you you may have been thinking in terms of extensions and innovations, you maybe dial that back uh, and closer to the center, right? Closer to the, what we would all consider the core and with greater delight in those things as well, greater trust in those things, greater, a greater sense that these things are going to do it. Um, So yeah, I'm hearing the same. And, uh, and I think that's probably not a bad thing. Um, I wonder maybe if we were doing 25% more than, than we needed to be doing. Um, So, I think maybe in the long run, that will be very, very good for us. And I also like the idea. I like what I'm hearing there about humility. If COVID has taught us anything, it's to be less certain about our plans. Right. And, and I think we were feeling that already because the world was changing so fast. I agree. Right. Like before COVID, I was telling people, I don't want to do a 10 year plan. I think five-year plans are silly. Uh, Let's do a three-year plan maybe and reevaluate every, every, you know, six to 12 months. Well, now I'm thinking, you know, let's do an eight-month plan and reevaluate every three or four months. I, I think I all, just
2: want to get through tomorrow. So yeah, yeah I exactly
0: right. Else. But I, I think that's probably a good thing too. Just being yeah. a little more nimble, uh, being a little more responsive and watchful. If we can borrow a biblical word. So all of these things sound really good, and uh, and I would argue that's uh, you know, that's my takeaway. If you want my my summary, Paul Tall Paul started us off, so Stocky Paul can bring it in for a landing. Uh, I would say, you know, my takeaway is this has been hard, but this has been good. Um, I really do feel the Lord's kindness and wisdom in all of this. I, I, I was talking to our guys a little while ago and I just, the the biblical analogy that came out of my mind is, you know, it it talks in the Bible about God beating the olive tree with a stick and, uh, and some, some of the olives that weren't really all that connected fall off, but those that remain are end up better fed and better connected and, and, and the tree looks great as a result. And I, I think that's kind of been what this is. We, we've been through something. We're all a little bruised. I know I feel bruised and uh, from, from a variety of, uh, of, of blows that I can all receive is from the hand of God by providence. Uh, and I think it's all been good. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm humbler, more cautious, um, more thankful, and more committed than I was at the start of this process. And that can't be a bad something. thing. Yeah. Hey, Rob, uh, just before we let everybody go, uh, first of all, thank you guys for being here with us, but, but Rob, could I get you to pray and pray for us as pastors, and I don't just mean the, the five of us in this call, but those who are listening in and joining in, pray for our churches. Uh, this has been hard on the church, and, um, and, and I think a lot of churches you know, have those bruises and those bumps, and, uh, and, and then also maybe broaden out and pray for our, our first responders, our, our nurses, our doctors, our police our politicians, because, uh, you know, I think they're exhausted as well, and they've been through a lot. It'd be great if you could do that.
2: Be an honor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to approach your throne of grace with boldness. Thank you that we come as those in need of grace and that your grace is enough.
4: Mm.
2: We thank you for the privilege of shepherding your people. Would you remind us again as pastors across this great nation of the privilege of not only knowing you, but being called by you to be a part of beautifying your bride. And so do you overwhelm us with your grace and that privilege and your strength to accomplish it? As we have shared, we feel a little beat up, and yet we wait upon you and look for that exchange of strength that we might be those who soar and accomplish what you desire way beyond what our natural gifting is because we serve you in the power of your spirit. Father, we think of other leaders in the church, elders and deacons and Uh, servants, we ask that you would strengthen them as well, that you would bring a unity to your bride of those who are truly loyal to you, and that this unity would display to the church what it means to be followers of Jesus, and that love and holiness would be a part of who we are, and that the world would notice and see the distinction between how we respond to chaos and how they do, and that that would be a perfume of attraction. Mm -hmm. Father, I also pray for those who are on the front lines, uh, our police, our firemen, our doctors, nurses, politicians. Uh, We ask for their salvation. We ask that you would give them wisdom, and we ask that you would allow them to see in us as followers of Jesus, uh, those who are responding to your word in submission and obedience, and those with whom they can trust to do what is best for this country, and that we would support them in terms of their choices, as long as they don't conflict with what you have said. Uh, Mm -hmm. Father, would you give us great wisdom, great joy, and would you continue to build the churches we are a part of so that we can accomplish your mission here on earth and that we can serve in such a way that you Mm -hmm. receive all of the honor, all of the glory, because we have served in your strength. We thank you for that and for each individual that watches this and help us to be loyal to you Loyal to your bride and be uh, delighted in you as we continue to function. We thank you for this in Jesus name and for his sake.
4: Amen. 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 Well,
0: thank you, brothers. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk to me today and to uh, talk to our, our listeners. Thank you listeners for, for joining in. We're praying for you and cheering for you and uh, believing great things for the body of Christ in the country of Canada. Uh, This may well be our last pastoring in a pandemic, I don't know, Uh, but I have been in conversation with Wyatt uh, about starting uh, a new roundtable podcast uh, for TGC Canada, where we'll gather pastors, leaders, and experts together to speak about things of interest to the Canadian Church. So we'll get back to you about that with further details as soon as we have them. Until then, take care and God bless.